And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 286, aka Year 6, Week 36, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. KS2. Oh, two. There's two of you now. <laughs> and so, since this is your weekly call-in show, uh, those numbers 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you guys this week? Oh, just, <laughs> just yeah. Okay, so I guess the two big things in the news then before we jump into headlines that maybe you know enough about to comment on, um, the Breonna Taylor full story coming out and how it's uh, increasing division division amongst the people. Um, are you guys aware of this news or have any thoughts on that issue in general? <laughs> Do we need to recap it all? Um, yeah, so I guess more stuff come out came out that, that uh, makes it not as a black and white issue. I'm, or more of a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. Or more, yeah. Well, what else, what came out? I guess I missed it. I mean, I didn't see it in our, in my newspaper. So, where what was I missing? Um, so, the the do you do you know the story, or do I have to recap the initial story? That there was a no knock warrant. They burst in, um, wrong place, wrong people. But uh, her boyfriend picked up a gun and shot, and they shot her. Apparently, I I didn't quite okay. get it. Yeah, good. That's about all you need to know. Um, and then the new news is that everything you just said is wrong. <laughs> so, uh, the police did arrive. The, this is their reports. Now this is the, what the news that is being released now that one of the officers has been indicted. Uh, the police did arrive. It was not a no knock raid, although they did have a no knock warrant, but they declared that they knocked and declared themselves multiple times before breaching. Um, Brianna, who was the innocent bystander in all of this, uh, is claimed to have been listed on the warrant uh, as a you know person that's about to get arrested. So not the innocent person there. Um, the COVID EMT uh, was you know also false uh, according to this new new information that came out. What what's the COVID EMT? Oh, e- emergency right. medical. Technician, whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, they claim like she was a, you know, she was an EMT. She was, she was one of the good ones out there helping people, essential worker. You know, that was, that was part of the original yeah. story. Yeah. Um, depends on who you believe. Turns out she was fired from that job months ago, months before the incident, um, and was uh, listed as do not rehire. So not a good employee at all. Um, what else? What what else am I missing? Oh yeah, so you know, not asleep, not a no knock warrant. They announced themselves. She, she wasn't innocent because she was listed on the warrant. Um, so not as innocent as as she claimed. And then the last piece of information that came out. This is why there was rioting again. Um, is not so much that the uh, that she was innocent in all this, but that the only cop who has been indicted for a crime is the one who missed his shots. Like no one was, no one was indicted for killing Brianna. Um, the cop that was indicted was, uh, was indicted for shooting through the wall, putting her neighbors in jeopardy because there was, he's three counts of, 
um, want, wanton disregard for human life or some something like that. Don't quote me, but it's something close to that. Because the, the neighbors was a mother, father, and child threesome. Uh, so he's got three counts because he fired in a direction and those rounds went through the wall, endangering the neighbors. So Brianna Taylor, her uh, justified killing, and she's not even a good martyr at this point. So the question is, do you believe this new information? Yes, go ahead. Um, what was the warrant for? Are they doing a drug search? It was a drug search. Yes. Well, then right there, I'd say they're the aggressors. They have no business uh, enforcing drug laws. It's a victimless crime. And they are absolutely the aggressors. Okay. On some other, someone else's property. I would not disagree with that. But it, it, the, the, the concern is how absolutely opposite the new narrative is on the entire issue. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't hear. I mean, I just read the story in the newspaper yesterday and it said none of this, uh, this other extenuating, um, you know, uh, these other circumstances, it just was the same narrative that you heard all along. And, uh, I, I know that they wanted to reveal what was in the jury. I mean, uh, in the, uh, grand, uh, the investigation. Yep. And they finally said they were going to, is that what finally came out then? I think so. If, if that's what you, as far as you got, then yes, because that's the information that was the new information that came out from, you know, obviously different sources saying that, you know, the cops were in the right this entire time, you know, and only now that we have this information, do we know what a despicable character, uh, Brianna Taylor was at the moment of her killing? Yeah. Um, why did they why'd they wait to to bring the to to release this information and i i don't understand their usually the police want to cover up their tracks with every possible justification and this this could have helped their case early on i don't know why they didn't do it earlier yeah this has been going on for months right yeah yes so interesting question as well i don't have an answer uh I can I can assume that the line that would be given was they can't comment on an ongoing investigation, and now that the investigation has been concluded, right? The, the grand jury has looked at has reviewed the facts, um, and concluded that the you know the one officer who fired and the and the rounds went through the wall into the other apartment is being charged with uh, wanton disregard for human life or some weird thing like that. Um, but now that the case is closed. For the other two officers, the facts can be made public. And the facts that they've made public uh, is basically what I've stated earlier. And whether or not, whether you believe that or not, right, de- depends on your political designation yeah. and maybe so, your skin color. Well, and also, did they come up with the warrant after they went in or <laughs> did they actually have one before? <laughs> and the, it would the, be interesting to see the body cameras. I think the, the family has asked for the release of the body cameras of all the uh, the cops involved to to see if it was really true that they, um, you know, that they knocked on the door and repeatedly and said, uh, you know, that we, we, you know, I don't know what they said, but at any rate. This um, is the police. You would expect, right? right? Something, yeah. Yeah. Don't know. It would be, it, you're right. It would be interesting because then do the body cameras, do the body cams uh, corroborate their story or does it corroborate the original narrative or something in between altogether? Well, this is like an interesting question about 
What obligation does an enforcer, whether a military man or a policeman, if he's acting on behalf of the government, what, what obligation does the enforcer have uh, to make judgments of themselves about whether or not their actions are uh, a violation of someone's rights? And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, police and military need to ask that question. They can't just simply be the tools of the, of the political establishment. So I'm, I am really relatively new um, to the firearms culture and arena. Um, and as such, me and M have taken a firearms, you know, training class uh, some weeks ago and some information was covered. And I found a 30 year old documentary class at this point uh, called judicious use of deadly force. And we're not quite finished watching it. Yet. We got like 15, 20 minutes to go. And the, uh, the reason I found this video was because in our training course, um, the, the instructor said that the, the guy performing in this particular video has written the book on this phenomenon, right? Like there, there's no higher expertise than this guy, um, Mossad Ayub, if you, if you're familiar with that name by any, any chance. And so I'm watching this video and he's going over, you know, um, uh, again, the judicious use of deadly force, all the things in between. And part of the video covered the difference between the regular cop and your average everyday civilian. And again, this video is 30 years old. I don't agree on a political level with some of uh, what the instructor in the video is claiming or what he says. Um, but he's the expert. And I, it would be interesting if, you know, some of his opinions have changed since then because of the the current situation we find ourselves so i i bring that up only to say that to answer your question ks in the video um he says you know cops have a different standard of interacting in the performance of their duty right they are allowed to use necessary force in the performance of their duty and i don't remember the exact quote from the video but he said you know and that that duty is to you know assess the situation find the perpetrator uh arrest the perpetrator by you know by whatever means necessary and take that person into custody and again this this student this instructor you know despite the politi politics seems to be a big fan of cops and the justice system right he, he you know mm -hmm. he stands on that as this is the best justice system around um there's no nothing else better and you know, despite the, the 95 point whatever, uh, conviction rate, the cops are right. 95 point whatever percent of the time. Like he, he stands hard on, you know, the cops are right no matter what stance. So I disagree with that. And it would, again, would be nice to, to have an updated opinion if he has one, or if he still believes that in the face of everything we see today. Um, but one of the things he said is, and until you put on the uniform and strap on that badge, you have no idea how difficult it is to perform those duties against someone who doesn't want those duties performed on them. Right. Which is, which is why you got to stand by the cops because it is difficult to arrest someone who does not want to be arrested. And as such cops are allowed a higher level of force, uh, are allowed to use a higher level of force than the average person, uh, to conclude those duties. 
Well, I'm sure that he's right. It's hard to, to do that, but it should be hard. Um, you know, it, it brings to mind this concept of the escalating crime, that every crime faces an escalating, is an escalating crime facing the death penalty. You know, and, and basically what you're saying is that, that the police have the right to enforce their mandate uh, and they will continue to escalate the punishment until they get compliance and obedience. Right. And, um, and that's so, the way it should be because that's the only that. way, according to this guy, because that's the yeah. only way that they can complete and perform their duties. Uh, then since every law could face this escalating crime to be up ultimately the death penalty, the, the law should be really, really extremely limited in what they, you know, um, consider their purview of what it is they can cover, like murder and theft or something. Um, but they don't. They use that law for everything. Uh, you know, whether or not you go to the beach, whether or not you are smoking marijuana, or whether or not you, you, you I mean, all, all the kinds of things, everything in society is mandated by these laws. And I, I think probably most people don't even think about it when they say, oh, let's pass a law to do this. Uh, they're not really even thinking. They're just thinking, oh, it would be nice, and therefore we're going to pass a law without thinking the consequence of what it really means to pass a law and make everybody pay a certain wage or something like that. Right, and I'm, I'm going to continue to play devil's advocate for a minute uh, because the response to that would be, well, on the side of the road with the cop is not the place to adjudicate that, right? If you want to go to the beach, right, arguing with the cop on the beach or, you know, at the football game, like this other lady that got uh, tased, um, I think she got tased for not wearing a mask, like dragged out of the football game. Um, that is not the time and place to make that argument, right? The time and place to make that argument is in front of the judge. So when you're getting harassed by the cop at the side of the road or at the football game, uh, you don't, you do not do anything except for comply in the moment because you probably don't want it to escalate to lethal force because you are not trained in lethal force techniques and will likely be the one not walking away from that encounter. So you, you, you take the handcuffs, you go to court, you adjudicate it there. Uh, another example I watched recently was uh, a, a dude who'd been pulled over multiple times in whatever in his Audi, whatever, you know, good looking car. And he was claiming harassment by the, you know, by the Fresno police department or whatever, because he has yellow lights as his headlights. And, you know, so the cop pulls him over and says, you know, Hey, you can't have yellow lights. He goes, ah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can. Right. He's, he's having a conversation with the cops. He's not being belligerent. He's not, you know, he's, he's not, um, argue, he's not argumentative. He's not violent, but he has all this documentation to, on his side. Right. Here's the judge's orders the last time I had to take this to court. Here's what the law says about white and yellow lights. Here's where it says white or yellow, and therefore I have yellow. Here's where I bought this car, uh, you know, brand new, and this is the stock thing, so I didn't modify it or change the light in any way. It was sold like this. Here's this. Here's that. And at the end of the altercation, uh, the cop is like, okay, you're free to go, sir. And he goes, well, can I have a citation? I go, what? No, sir, you are free to go. He's like, well, you've now wasted 20 minutes of my time, 
right? 20 minutes, half an hour of my time. I would like a citation so that I can go to court, go through this process again, have more documentation that what I'm doing is right, legal, moral, ethical, whatever. And that based on all this documentation, I can show a history of targeted harassment by the Fresno Police Department. Right. The cop goes, no, I can't. I'm not going to write your citation. You're free to go. Right. So different tactic, better result, maybe. Right. He's not, not, not abusive, not argumentative. He survived. Right. He's going to win in court because he's already won in court. So that's the place where you handle this. Thoughts? He, he survived that cop. But right. then the next one down the road could just harass him again. He could, and could. Say, okay, yeah, and he would pull out all those, the documents. Those, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a good point. You know, you you have to pick and choose your time and place, but you can also find the circumstances in history where the time and place, um, you, you couldn't just wait for the legal process. I'm thinking of uh, the, uh, the the Jews who were being rounded up by the Gestapo. And everybody, the police and, and uh, the encouragement of all of society in, in uh, Hitler and Poland and so many other countries. Um, now, this is the other extreme in the circumstance. And they could say, well, okay, yeah, I'll just go along because I'm just going to wait for my time in court, which there wasn't going to be. And they knew it. And uh, uh, so in, in there, there are times when... Uh, resistance has to be taken at the moment. You can't, and and also the the remember the defense of the Nazis afterwards and forever throughout all of the Nazi regime and the Stalin regime and the uh, the internment regime is that we're just following orders, and so we're not responsible. And you, you should just follow due process. Well, there is no due process in these things when you consider uh, abuse of the system. Sure. Now, I am not the biggest fan of cops, as you may know. So I will say, morally, not a problem with, with, with that, right? Tactically uh, is another area that I get in trouble for discussing tactics. Um, it is never a good idea to have a violent confrontation with the cops one-on-one on the side of the street, right? Like, I, I can't imagine a scenario... Um, where you win that in the long run, no matter what, even the guy, there was a video of a guy who like, you know, put down two officers cause they dragged him from his car. And in the process of dragging him from his car, he managed to get his firearm, uh, from under the seat and, you know, put down two cops, right? Good. Like f- fucking fantastic. Right. They were, they were about to abuse him. They were about to, you know, he felt probably felt in danger for his life, which based on the video up until that point, I could see, Right. Um, but in the long run, right, he doesn't have a a support system, a network, uh, you know, an army backing him, uh, a militia, if you will, backing him, um, where he's going to get away with that ever. We're not at that point yet. Um, so tactically, I, you know, even if you want to go, you know, if you want to go after the cops, right, when they initiate the violence, the interaction, you're going to lose. Right. You know, the, the big one before was, you know, the gun confiscation. I go, well, when they come knocking at your door to take your guns, that is not the time to shoot back. You're not going to win that. Right. When, when they come knocking at your door to take your guns, just give them the guns. Not because 
you know, you're only, you're giving up and you're rolling over, but because you have a militia at your back, at your ready, and you go, hey, bro, they just came from my guns. Let's go get them back. Right. And then you have the numbers advantage with, you know, better firepower. And then you go get your stuff back. Like to me, tactically, that seems to be more effective than I'm going to blast them uh, from the porch or from the side of the car or, you know, on the beach or whatever. Does that make sense? Sure. Yep. Like once, once you see that, you know, the box car is being loaded up, right? All bets are off. And if you don't want to wait to that point, just find the line that you have enough people with the same line in the sand for and draw it there. But one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one with the cops on the side of the road in your house is, is always going to end up with you losing in the short term may end up with you losing in the long run. Um, unless again, again, of course you have more people at your back ready to go. Another option is the escape, the, the fugitive. You know, I, I think of the people who broke the immigration laws to flee uh, Germany or the, um, the person who broke the, the military draft in this country to flee to Canada or who just went underground for some period of time and hope that they'll get lost by the system. Um, and there was the case of uh, Rosa Parks, who decided, uh, okay, she wasn't going to wait for everybody to sit in the front of the bus. She was going to do it by herself and, and uh, you know, risk the chance of getting beaten up and, and harassed uh, enormously before going to court and being jailed or whatever. Um, but still, I think right. there are... But she didn't throw punches with the first cop that came to arrest her. No, right? that's true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> They planned I mean, you're, it you're, out. You're right. You have to <laughs> make a judgment about uh, the. Um, she said, "Nope. Today's this. the day I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to sit at the front of the bus. I'm going to take whatever ass whooping they give me initially, but I'm not going to fight back. We're going to take this to court." Right. We have a. Uh, you've brought this up in the past, KS. Um, the sympathetic victim. Right. There are certain people that are that are better. Uh, victims, the better people to put as the face of whatever movement you're doing than others, uh, because the average person can get behind them, right? So, like here, uh, here in New Hampshire, um, I, I'm saying at this point the walls are closing in on the anti-maskers um, because the, the 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 city ordinances come down and the you know the private businesses comply, and then where are you going to shop, right? Like it's it's you know it is what it is. And it's getting more difficult to to go on about your day without wearing a mask, uh, depending on what needs to get done. So one of the cities um, has the prohibition on the business, right? Like the businesses aren't al- are not allowed to uh, allow in people without masks. So if someone walks in without a mask, the business gets in trouble. Uh, another city, it's an individual mask mandate, which means if you're out in public without a mask on, you get the fine, right? And so you know there there's there's a couple of lawsuits in those cities here in New Hampshire where they're trying to sue saying, no, oh, you're not allowed to do this. And we'll see how that part works out. Um, and at the same time, there's like, you know, protesters just walking around without masks on so far unmolested, right? Like, you know, uh, the, the, the ordinance is there, but no one wants to enforce it. Uh, so I was talking with a, a friend of mine about this and, you know, I brought up the same thing I did here, which is we need, you need a sympathetic victim. Like no one is going to be on my side, no matter how right I am, because I'm kind of a dick, right? I'm not a kind of a dick. I'm a dick, right? I'll accept the asshole label, 
even, right? I'm not going to garner any sympathy from anybody for any of this nonsense, right? It just, it just doesn't work for me. However, um, one of the prominent figures in the area, a uh, member of the, you know, uh, works for the Free State Project, member, you know, member of the Free State Project is a, a uh, female paraplegic, right? She should be getting arrested daily for this because she's the type of person where, you know, she's calm, she's uh, subdued, she can, she's articulate, she can make, you know, I, I got in trouble for that word too, um, but she can make a calm, uh, educated case about what's going on. And when people see, right, when the optics of it are the cops, the state, uh, the government agents harassing this female in a wheelchair, that just looks bad, right? So she's the one, you know, if, if she's willing, if she wanted to volunteer, but that's the type of person you put out in front, right? Little old Rosa Parks, uh, you know, sitting on the bus, like, nope, I just didn't feel like moving today. You know, what are you going to do about it? Uh, versus, you know, uh, uh, some big, burly, ugly looking dude, right? Just going, like, I just sit where I fucking want to sit. You can't do anything, right? There's, I can, optics are important. I can give an example, I think, of how that tactic was taken. Um, and it comes at a time of, uh, here we've gotten the pass of, passing of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And um, part of her story is that when she was um, a civil rights uh, attorney, she wanted to bring to the attention of the justices the tremendous disparity in the law towards women. The thousands of laws prevented people, prevented women from many occupations, and, and there were a lot of legal um, uh, barriers to them entering into a lot of um, contracts, and all sorts of states had lots of discriminatory practices. And she took up a case about um, how a man was not qualified by the Social Security system to to receive widower benefits, uh, Social Security widower benefits uh, when his wife passed away. He was the caregiver and she wasn't. And they said, well, the, the laws for women are taking care of the children. So she used a case where the man was discriminated against in order to make the point that there were different, different treatments by the law. And um, it was a case that uh, I think where you're saying you it, it appealed the sympathy of the nine male judges on the court to recognize that disparities in the law were unwarranted. Absolutely. Now she's an interesting case. I'm, I'm curious how you taken her when I was reading about her background, it seemed like there were a lot of times in which she actually made very good uh, human rights arguments that uh, women should be given equal protection of the law, meaning they shouldn't be treated um, differently by the law. Later in her career, um, she applied the same kind of principle, but saying that it shouldn't be practiced or allowed in private companies as well, uh, so that uh, private companies shouldn't be allowed to discriminate if they chose to. Um, now, from her point of view, she was trying to achieve equal rights for women. I completely sympathize with regard to the VMI, the Virginia Military Institute, when the state-sponsored institute didn't allow women into the uh, institution, and she got the court to go against that. Um, but I, uh, I think that even though uh, 
<coughs> discrimination on the basis of race or sex is uh, is not a good thing to do, um, and not even a moral thing to do. Um, nevertheless, it should be allowed to do because I don't have a right to initiate force against people. I don't have a right to initiate uh, to compel them to my my views and standards in their private practice. Right. Any comment? Yeah. So if if we're talking about the the was it the nineteen sixty four Civil Rights Act? Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm against it. Right. Because it 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 violates the private property rights of the private property owner, and she can't before that. So if you're talking about that, um, no, she she made a mistake, right? Discrimination should be allowed. Um, I think uh, the other one that that brings up from the feminist side was the you know the 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 legality of abortions. Um, depends on your perspective, right? Just like anything else, uh, I'm pro-choice anti-state so did she get that right she depends on your perspective sure maybe um but at the same time i always i always feel like the the pro-life side um and correct me if i'm wrong uh you're pro-life are you not mc do i remember having this conversation before uh yeah i just don't think it's worth it for the government to get involved okay um yeah i think uh Go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, so if the government doesn't get involved, then it's between the the individual uh, and the clinic, willing willing or not willing to perform um, the the medical procedure, for lack of a better term, uh, and then all everyone who gets up in arms uh, about you know you're you're killing a human being, you're taking what about the children? Um, to me, that's virtue signaling because they don't give a shit. You know, they, they, they want to appear to give a shit, but they don't. Um, another, another quick example on that, just changing the subject briefly. Um, you may have heard uh, that in New Hampshire, uh, on the Republican ticket in Little O'Keen, there is a transsexual Satanist anarchist on the ballot. She won the Republican nomination um, with, the, with the slogan, fuck the police, right? That was it. Aria for sheriff. Fuck the police. I'm running as a Republican and she wins as a Republican. Um, not in the general, but in the, in the Republican primary, what they don't say, and it's a little, you know, de- deceptive, I guess, but, but Hey, it's propaganda is that she ran unopposed and there was a small write-in campaign that made it appear like maybe she had an opponent, but she didn't. Um, so I'm talking, you know, I'm, I'm at my regular Tuesday night dinner a couple of weeks ago and I'm talking to a gentleman who is a staunch conservative right? That's his, you know, older white guy, engineer, good career. I'm conservative. Go Trump. Right. And I, you know, so we start talking about this transsexual Satanist anarchist running for sheriff out in Keene. Um, and I, because I'm respectful, uh, refer to her (laughs) as she, she won the Republican nomination and he shakes his head in disgust. (laughs) She, we, you, you mean he won the nomination. I go, well, she wants to be called she. And so I'm going to call her she because, hey, what do I care? Now, him, on the other hand, you know, his claim was, I will not support their delusion. Those transsexuals and their delusional mental illness thinking they are something that they are not. But the truth is, he doesn't give a shit. 
right? <laughs> he's he's not helping her uh, recover from this mental illness, right? He's not doing anything of the like. He just wants to, sh- uh, you know, he wants to uh, virtue signal that he that she is a he, and that he believes that that is a mental illness that should not be supported, right? But he doesn't. Ca- but he doesn't care. I know he doesn't care. He knows that I know he doesn't care because if he cared, he'd be actually be helping her, you know, through these troubling times where this mental illness has taken over, uh, her, her life, but he doesn't. So it's a virtue signal. So same, same with the people, uh, on, you know, the, the abortion side of things where they go like, it's a baby, it's a human baby. I can't believe you. Like, you don't care. You have no, you have no idea what that family is going through, what that, you know, what the, what the woman is going through that led her to that decision. Um, you have some preconceived notion about what's going on and there, you are so far removed from their personal life that you could, you could not care any less about either one of those, regardless of the circumstance. If it weren't for the fact that they were getting an abortion, you would not even know who they were ever, right? You just, you don't care. So stop virtue signaling, just, you know, let people do what they do and stay in your lane and mind your own business. Uh, And the discrimination, going back to that one for the, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this is another weird one uh, amongst libertarians here because somewhere uh, apparently in the libertarian party bylaws or something, uh, there's something that says, well, we, the libertarians are anti-racist and racists are not allowed to be libertarians. And I, well, that's dumb because number one, racists, you know, who follow the non-aggression principle have more in common with libertarians and libertarianism, uh, than social justice warriors, right? If you're going to kick anyone out of the party, uh, it should be the social justice warriors who are trying to use the state to make things equal, uh, rather than the racist who just want to exclude people from their private business and their private property. That's more libertarian to me, but it's such a hot button issue. You can't say that, right? You can't, that's not a defensible position, right? You just get lumped in with the racists if you say that, but it's true. They're the racists who violate the non, who who don't violate the non-aggression principle have more in common with libertarians because they believe in private property rights. They believe in voluntary association. Uh, they believe in discrimination and choosing whom you dis- whom you associate with. Um, and they don't believe in using the state to do that. Walter they belong. Locke has made, uh, has made a point that there, I mean, I, I, I think it, it's, it simply is, um, the non-aggression principle is a negative concept, what the government should not do. But it doesn't say what people should do. That is up to them. That's the, the respect for, for, for freedom. And that uh, Walter Block makes an interesting point, that there's a, a lot of room. I mean, there should be room in the libertarian movement by the non-aggression principle uh, for socialism and socialists and communists, as long as it's voluntary. And that, um, that the, whether it's racism or it's uh, socialism, uh, the, the problem comes when they d- use when they would turn to government to force it on other people. Yes. And, and so, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very, very narrow principle of what the government shouldn't do, not positively saying what your moral principles should. And I think that there's a, a lot of room there for people advocating what others, um, 
should be morally, but never resort to the law to impose it by force. Right. Which is why, again, you know, the, the racists belong and the social justice people who are ad- actively trying to use the state to pass laws to make the baker bake the cake, right? To make you serve a certain group, to violate your private property rights uh, in the name of equality and equity or whatever term they want to use. Like, those are the people that don't belong, in my opinion. Um, that being said, I did read a, a, an interesting post on social media, again, uh, bringing it down to discriminating in one's private business. Um, it was, you know, some, uh, it was, it was an interaction between a patron and a bartender, uh, after the bartender had kicked out, uh, another patron who happened to have a Nazi patch on or, you know, some, some Nazi, uh, emblem on his jacket. And the patron goes like, Hey, why'd you kick that guy out? You know? And the bartender goes, well, he was okay, but he had uh, you know, like a, a Nazi patch on or whatever. The other patron goes like, so what? He wasn't, he wasn't doing anything. And the bartender goes, yeah, you're right. But you got to nip these things in the bud. Like before the, before something happens. Now this dude could be the nicest dude in the world, right? He could come in here, order his drink, never cause a single ounce of trouble, never have a problem ever. Right. And just, just a nice guy, a uh, nice customer, I should say. Uh, but he's a Nazi. Right, you can tell by by uh, by the the uh, logos on his shirt. He's a Nazi, which means at some point he's going to bring his Nazi friend to the bar, right? And they're going to hang out, and that friend might be just as cool as him, right? They might not they might start any trouble. They might not do anything. They might not you know they might be the most well mannered uh, patrons this bar can have. But guess what? At some point they're going to bring another friend, right? And before you know it. This is going to be a Nazi bar because they're all going to be in here. And then at that point, if one of them steps out of line, one of the new ones steps out of line and starts causing trouble, you can, you can no longer nip it in the bud because there's so many of them, uh, that they, they, they've already, they've already taken over. They already run the joint. So best for, you know, from that perspective, just kick out the first guy. He won't come back. He won't bring friends and the peace remains. So private property rights prevail, right? Equality prevails. No one's going to get mad, um, you know, at the, at the, at the bartender because the Nazi is not going to be a sympathetic victim, right? It's hard to be a Nazi and, you know, and, you know, you know, the, the the whole punch Nazis things, right? It's hard. It's hard to be a Nazi and be like, well, he wasn't allowed to punch me in the face. What dude, you're a Nazi. So what, what did you expect? Any thoughts? on that as far as the private property rights of the bartender or what you can do with your own property? No no dispute with that at all. I think in a sense, there are people on the right wing and the left wing, whether the racists or, um, or uh, socialists, uh, they're on all sides who want to use the government to impose their will on others. And uh, that's the, the case that we need to constantly be making that a free and tolerant society is one that, uh, um, may object, maybe even, uh, you know, protest vigorously and, and loudly, uh, but that people have a right to use. Uh, and I think people, people have found that by moral suasion, a lot of change occurs voluntarily in society. I don't think it was because of the laws that 
mandated um it was the it was the laws essentially there were jim crow laws and there were sexist laws that made it illegal uh for blacks and women to do a lot of things and indians and hispanics to do a lot of things those laws have been diminished but they they were diminished and uh pretty much thrown out as attitudes changed and i think it took the attitudes changing um that was far beyond what the effect of the law was now then of course then the law then they said okay well now we're going to mandate these things by the law but it's still uh, much more effective is the is the attitudes uh, towards um towards homosexuality towards uh, transsexual uh, uh uh behavior or or, or persons towards uh, socialism towards racism attitudes have changed and I think that people just don't find it morally acceptable, generally speaking, to do a lot of things that we would uh, thought were normal 50 years or 100 years ago. Sure. It's thought, it thought normal that women, women shouldn't be allowed to vote because, well, they were inferior to men. And um, even after they changed the vote, I think people still felt that way for a long time. A lot of people felt that way for a long time. Um, but that's, that's the history of human beings. You know, 200 years ago, women not only weren't allowed to vote, but they weren't allowed to own their own property when when uh, they got married. As soon as they got married, everything, their children, the decisions over their property, everything was in the hands of their husband by the law. And they couldn't uh, participate in many occupations. They were closed to them for their protection. But we know very well from the work of uh, uh, Walter Williams and others that the law was passed essentially to eliminate the competition of women from uh or from men in the in the marketplace sure so i i i think you crossed over uh one aspect of this when you said you know there there are laws that prevent those things uh that prevent you know those things and then there's laws that make them uh make them so uh mandate. paraphrasing yeah. mandate right. yes thank you right. so if you if you eliminate all the laws that prohibit those things right Fine, right? I'm not. I'm not for more laws. I don't like the fact that you have to write new laws to revoke old laws, right? That's dumb. That's one too many steps. Just revoke the old one. Take it off the books. Erase it. Burn it. Throw it away. Start from scratch. I don't care. So that should be okay, right? If you're if you're passing, you know, if you're a legislature or uh, Supreme Court justice, and all you're doing is removing bad laws from the books, yeah, fine. But when you start to mandate things. Right when it's when it's no longer well the law says that we can't serve black folks, right? And then you repeal that law like well now we can serve black folks, but we don't want to. Still perfectly fine. And one thing that's overlooked by that is the fact that the marketplace, by freedom of choice, actually does a penalty to people who discriminate on non-performance criteria. For example, if you hire only whites, you won't hire blacks. You're going to have to pay more money to attract the the number of qualified workers to to, um, to get only half the population qual, uh, you know eligible for your for your population group. Somebody who doesn't discriminate on the basis of non-performance criteria um, can actually charge a lower wage and is much more likely to be able to attract uh, to get the customers. People will come to your business. In other words, if you, if you discriminate against black customers, you're going to lose a lot of customers unless. You're, the customers that you're catering to are also 
uh, white and they, they don't want, and racist, and they don't want to have uh, blacks uh, to mingle with. Well, um, you know, in, in a way, I think that they are um, hurting themselves by cutting them, cutting out half of the marketplace that they could either employ or, or serve as customers. So there's the penalty in the marketplace for racist behavior. And there's a reward in the marketplace for just being nice. That's every, every business knows that you'd be nice to people and you're going to do more business with them and they'll pass the word around and, and um, you get rewarded. That's, that's the normal thing in the marketplace. Every business knows that. And I agree with you on principle. However, the argument coming from the left or the SJWs is that what we have experienced thus far is that there are enough racist white folks in positions of power to sustain that market and that marketplace where uh, minorities don't get a foot in the door. Now, if we, if we want to move on from the racial side of things, um, because you know that's already been adjudicated, then we can go to the, you know, the, the homosexuals, the transsexual side of things, because they're fighting the same battle. And there are certain elements um, within you know, the, the libertarian community that seem to be okay with uh, government action to force people to serve, to hire, uh, you know, homosexuals and transsexuals, because that's the way that, you know, blacks and other minorities and, and women got their foot in the door, right? It had to be mandated for people to accept it. And until it's mandated, people won't accept it because they can be stuck in their conservative, um, you know, outdated beliefs and, that delusion is supported by a larger group of people. So yes, government must step in and say, you must hire, uh, you know, transsexuals or homosexuals. You must serve them in. You cannot discriminate based on that. And that's the only way that that, uh, that minority group, that marginalized group will be able to step forward. Simply re removing the laws, right? The, the prohibitions on serving them, because those don't exist, right? You, there's no laws in the books that say, nope, uh, gay people not allowed. You can't. You're not allowed to serve gays, and you're not allowed to serve transsexuals. Uh, but there are places that still wish to discriminate uh, uh, against those people for whatever reason, and they're willing to pay that market cost by doing so because their customer base, right? The 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 patriarchal white male customer base is in such abundance that their most of their market is is covered. So what do you do then? Right? How do how does that marginalized group get their foot in the door and start to get their equal rights, uh, if not for the government stepping in because the market has clearly decided they are not wanted? Well, boycott. You know, I mean, you 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 raised another interesting concept when you say, well, there are some libertarians who think you should use the government to do this. Well, it just emphasizes how broad the concept is. I mean, I remember hearing one time uh, Bill Clinton say, "Well, I'm a libertarian," and well, the, the word, I mean, you can say, you know, liberal too. I mean, these words are banded around. They have a lot of different meanings. Anarchy has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Um, when you, when I hear the word libertarian, I say, does that match with the non-aggression principle? And if not, then I just say, well, then it's just words. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it matters, but, but it doesn't have uh, a, the same kind of definition to me. The new concept that's coming up is it's not a libertarian position just because a libertarian says it. Yeah. And I, I'd say it's perfectly legitimate in accordance with the non-aggression principle 
for libertarians to organize boycotts. Say, well, we we won't uh, um, we won't uh, frequent any kind of business that uh, is racist, and we'll make a lot of publicity about it. That's the right of freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of assembly um, to express their opinions about bad behavior. And I think that's how you more effectively change bad behavior by shaming it, mocking it. Mocking it is actually the most effective tool of all. You know, you know, bad guys don't mind the fight, but they hate being laughed at and mocked by the cartoon and the and the, the joke about them. In fact, I'm reminded of uh, George Orwell's great comment, every joke is a tiny revolution. The way of un undoing with humor and, and without combat, um, a, a lot of bad behavior in, in society by politicians too. I mean, that's why Stalin put people in the gulag for 20 years for making jokes about him and 10 years for laughing at the joke and five years for not reporting the joke. Cause the one thing he couldn't stand was to be laughed at. And uh, that's the same thing I'm sure with uh, Trump and, and uh, any rulers and leaders, they, they just don't like uh, mockery. And that's why humor and satire have been extremely effective over the, centuries when you don't have the you know other weapons to use humor and satire is, is the greatest one because at the same time you're making your point you're diminishing the other guy and you're also making light of things you 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 know can turn to your attention to more serious things sure so let's let's again uh, i know i'm switching minority groups around here for the for the sake of the conversation um but let's go to the masks Right, because that's also topical. Um, one of the one of the things that I said earlier in the show was the walls are closing in on the anti-maskers. Right at this point, uh, in my opinion, there's so much support for the pro-mask side that the anti-mask side will not be able to organize an effective boycott because the group is so marginalized and ridiculed and looked at with disdain at this point that it won't be effective, right? Every business you try to go in, you know, that that's a pro mask business without a mask on, uh, you get thrown out, right? Your business is no longer welcome here. And you shout as you walk out the door, fine, I will take my business elsewhere. I do not want to support a business that is unwilling to support my anti-mask position, whether it be for medical or religious reasons or just pro-freedom and pro-choice. God bless America. Um, but there's no place else. You're, like, you're running out of places to go, I, It was my general point. Uh, you know, un unless you have a, a, a confederate, uh, you know, willing to do the shopping for you, uh, you're eventually either going to have to put on the mask or starve to death or leave and, you know, go somewhere else. And, and, and I also think you're running out of places to go, right? Like, what do you, how, how do the anti-maskers at this point organize an effective boycott, organize effective market action uh, to get the businesses to change their discriminatory position? Uh, you, you've you've just explained it, the, the the boycott. You don't go to a place you don't want to, but I think it's the property right of the of the business to say no. I think my customers feel safer if I've got a mask policy, and so I'm going to get more customers and uh, have a better reputation uh, than if I 
except a ma- an anti-masker. That's up right. to them. Well, I, I explained it, but I also said I don't think it's going to be effective. Right. I believe that the anti-maskers are going to lose because the, there's, there's so much momentum from the pro-mask side that you simply run out of places to conduct business. Like no one's willing to trade with you. You are a, an outlaw of capitalism at that point. Trading with who? Like, where are you going to get your groceries? Where are you going to get your supplies? Where are you going to get your, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? So if if uh, the 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 question I guess if I if I had to rephrase it because I know I'm long winded is what do you do to affect change when a boycott doesn't work or will be ineffective? Is there any other tactic that you can use? Or at that point, has the market spoken and your compliance is is expected? You uh, pay off the politicians uh, in in, Flor- <laughs> in Florida. In Florida, the uh, the the state governor. Uh, declared that it's illegal to require masks uh, for the lower governments. Um, and so uh, they made fines illegal for not wearing masks. Sweet. So, but that also, right, that's that's good for the anti-maskers, but then you run into the same problem with the pro-mask people. Why am I not allowed to require a mask on my personal property? It's still a property rights violation. And, 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 and probably it's still legal for private property to require masks it's just not uh it's just uh it it was an order that the governments cannot find people for not wearing masks okay i don't okay i hear what you're saying i don't see how that solves the the uh the problematic boycott unless you because you said there's there's no problem if if a private business uh requires a mask or not uh, the only problem is when the government gets involved. Understood. But the, you know, what, what, what we're talking about is like market change, right? If the government's, if the government's not going to be involved, right? How do, how do anti-maskers uh, move the market? How do transsexuals and homosexuals move the market? How would black folks and women have moved the market if not for government mandate that they must be served? If a boycott uh, and, and if the and market which, and, and whichever ways you find work best, so well, I'm throwing out the question because it's it's coming to head right now with the anti-mask folks, right? What's going to work? What's another solution? Because boycotts, again, I'm sorry, I don't believe are going to work. You you will run out of places to shop, and the pro-mask side has so much momentum that they they're fine not having you as a customer because all you bring is drama and strife with your anti-mask position and your demands to be served anyway. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't worry about those things as much. Which is fine, right? But I mean, it's a legitimate question. It's not a rhetorical question. It's it's a tactical question. What else can be done? If the answer is I don't know, fine, we can move on. Um, but it, it, again, I'm throwing it out there because it, it affects minority groups when, when you say like, you're not, you should not use the government to make those changes, even though blacks, even though women use the government to make those changes, had to do it by mandate. Um, you homosexuals, you transsexuals, you anti-maskers, uh, you don't get to use the state. You must find a way to do it within the marketplace. Um, and it, it, it makes it more of an uphill battle. Not that I'm advocating the state use, uh, but I am looking for solutions when, you know, and, and, if, and if boycott is the only solution and that's not going to be effective, well then, as a as a marginalized minority group, you're stuck. I mean, 
Right. If, you're if forced into compliance if by the market. If it's a restaurant that you're going to that requires masks, uh, then you make a new restaurant that doesn't require a mask. Yeah. You be the, the media media you you buy your product buy the products from them and open up your own place say hey masks are welcome i mean uh, and uh, you know a full face is welcome <laughs> i don't know how many customers you're going to get depends on their uh, fear level but if they you know yeah and if it doesn't work then oh well it's like the market has decided that's, so that's, well. that's <laughs> what i'm saying yeah, yeah 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 right but the market could decide right not in your favor Right, that's, you. That's you, fine. That's what you could be that's what I was saying. That's why I said I don't worry about those things because if it decides it's not in my favor, then that's fine too. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Mask so, or not is maybe not the big deal. There are some other issues that might be the big bigger deal. I mean, well, there I, I bring that up because it's current and they're they're now a marginalized group, right? I mean, I don't I don't know how else to look at that. I don't, by by choice, right? They weren't born that way. Uh, they're making a choice to be a marginalized group, uh, but they're 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 marginalized nonetheless. Go on, Chaos. No, 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 that's all. I oh okay. Um, I guess in the the, the remaining few minutes, um, the only other thing, since we're not going to get into headlines, um, was the uh, untimely medical emergency of Ron Paul. Um, Oh, what is that? He got a stroke or something? I, I, that's the word that came out. Um, I don't know if, if his family, uh, or his, you know, handlers or whatever, you know, the Ron Paul people, I don't know if they officially released a statement on what the diagnosis was. Um, but it appeared to be a stroke. He sent out, you know, a tweet that says, you know, that he was in the hospital doing fine. Thank you for your support with the big old thumbs up. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there's any, any news to discuss about it other than that's what happened. And if you, you know, any thoughts on Ron Paul and his contribution to, you know, the, the Liberty movement, um, I'm not a, a huge fan. I'm a fan, not a huge fan, um, because he's more of a, a in the system political kind of guy. And I don't, I don't really get into that. So, but I, I thought we could touch on that. If you have any, any thoughts, concerns, um, the only issue that came out with it was like the, the, uh, propagation of the video and how, you know, they, you know, they were trying to get it taken down everywhere. Like, dude, do not show the video. Um, I had one dude on social media, like, I just unfriended another person who shared the Ron Paul video. I go, well, that's dumb. Which you one? Know. The Ron, which Ron Paul video? The, the way he was having a stroke. Speech? Stroke. Oh, where yeah. it appeared he, to have a stroke on 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 camera. Yeah. Oh. Have you seen the video? I didn't see it. I I just read that there was such a thing and that it was okay. taken down, but I haven't yeah. seen it. I mean, I imagine it's still floating out there somewhere. Yeah. Do you have an opposition? Like, do you have a moral ob- uh, objection to watching the video? No, not at all. Do you have a moral objection to other people watching the video? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do, do, do you have a moral objection to, to the video being circulated? Or, you know? No. There... Oh, but that raises an interesting topic. Um, you know, is, is Google or Facebook, are, are they um, liable for, you know, somebody else sharing these things? Um, and all that sort of thing. 
Well, and as, that, aside that those from the are political issues. Yeah, but uh, the video itself, aside from the fact that it, you know, it paints the hero Ron Paul in a less than stellar light, right? I don't think there's nothing objectionable in the video, right? Like I, I saw the video. Um, part of me, you know, the, in the back of my mind, and one of my other friends on social media, uh, I don't know him personally, but he's a social media friend, um, said that everyone should watch this video so that you understand what the symptoms look like and you know what to look for. And I was like, here, here, because that, you know, as I watched the video, I was like, okay, this is what it's like. So if I ever see that happening to somebody else, or if that ever starts happening to me, right, you can recognize the symptoms and perhaps save another life. So to demand that the video be taken down, uh, simply because, you know, it's, it's Ron Paul and it doesn't make Ron Paul look good. Um, I, th I think it's ludicrous. Um, and yeah, it's a, it, you know, it's a short video, uh, and I don't really, yes. I I, there's nothing there. political about it. That's the thing. That's the weird thing. The whole takedown thing is nonsense. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it happened. Um, it's unfortunate that it was caught on camera, but if not right, imagine what would happen if he wasn't doing the Liberty report at that time and that no one was there to, to witness it. Right. Seems like that would have been worse. Well, the real question is what happens when we suffer the stroke? I mean, are you guys, are you still going to broadcast this and allow people to broadcast this if I have a stroke while we're on air or being broad, recorded? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because this is a recorded show, the likelihood is that you would get medical attention and the show would abruptly end. We'd either, re we'd either cancel it or re-record the last part of it, you know, and then put, up, put that part out. I can edit that out, but if it went out live, right, what can you do? That's it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, start taking it down every place where it was live just because, you know, something happened. It may not make for good radio. That would be the end of it. It's perfectly understandable to anyone that, shoot, if you have a medical emergency, you know, things, things go awry. That's actually probably good for everybody to see that uh, this is what live streaming is. It's, it's what people, what happens in life. Right. And again, I didn't think there was any controversy until I saw on social media that people were pissed that the video was being shared and that people were choosing to watch it. I go, well, that's just dumb. So if you haven't seen it, watch it because then you'll know the symptoms. And, you know, if you're a Ron Paul supporter, uh, it's not like you're going to lose respect for the guy because he had a medical emergency, right? And if you're a Ron Paul detractor, it's not like your position's going to get bolstered in any way. Because, ah, look, Ron Paul had a stroke. Like, so what? You know, no, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't make your position any stronger or you, or, or you more important because you shared it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised that it was controversial. Um, and that's where I'll end it. Final thoughts. The Ron Paul Liberty Report. Is that a regular thing I, that I just never saw? You know, cause I, I it makes me want to view his previous, uh, programs. Yeah. yeah go for it's it. On, it's on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. Check it out. Okay. Anything else? Nope. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com. Telegram t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon. Patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.